Welcome to Awaken to Sleep Education. Uh, Dr. Carollo, uh, beyond being a golf aficionado uh, who offers private golf lessons if you go golfing <laughs> with him, uh, he's a leading expert in dental sleep medicine with extensive experience with oral plant therapy. He's a full-time restorative practice where he does 50% restorative and 50% sleep. He also is a leading teacher in dental implant curriculum, as well as uh, the breathing or airway sleep apnea curriculums like what we're going through tonight. He's board certified in dental sleep medicine and implants, and has actually been the top dentist uh, and dentist for New York Jets since 2007. So tonight, folks, we have a full-time dentist who um, has a little bit of fame to his name, as all the qualifications and actively balances the restorative and also the sleep aspects of his sleep, uh, of his dental practice. So uh, we are going to have time for questions. I'm sure you're going to have a lot. Tonight. It's a big topic. Uh, but Dr. C, you want to take it away? Maybe say something? Uh, just hello. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll, and, and part of in, in the presentation, you'll see a little bit more about my practice. So I won't uh, mention that though. Yeah, but yeah, so it's it's an interesting how we balance dentistry and dental sleep medicine. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who are uh, leaning towards doing only sleep. We'll get into a little bit of that. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, why I like doing both and, and a little bit when we when we get into that. So it's kind of a nice, uh, for me, it's a nice balance. And some people want to do more sleep, less dentistry. And I and I get that. I have a lot of friends that are like that. So I, I think it's, I think whichever fits your your demeanor and what you like to do in dentistry, it's kind of cool. But I think if you're not doing a lot of dental sleep medicine um, tonight and, and some of the stuff we're going to be talking about at the end of this uh, that Awaken to Sleep has to offer is going to be something that really help. You know, if you're not doing a lot, get you over that hurdle and do more of it. Cause I think it's, it's very rewarding. Uh, I think doing dental sleep medicine is a lot more, sometimes more rewarding than doing a root canal on a lower molar. We think it's a perfect fill and patients out of pain. And, you know, we get excited how good it was, but as long as they're out of pain, they're happy. But when you change the quality of their life with, with, with sleep and quality, because I always tell my patients that the one third of the day that we sleep affects the two thirds of the day we're awake. So, you know, if you have a great night's sleep, you wake up, you feel like you can attack the world. The days you don't get a good night's sleep, you can't wait to go to bed that night. So I think sleep is somebody, everybody does. So I think it's, we're impacting everybody's life when we, when we treat them. Chat, you're muted. Rookie mistake. We've been doing Zoom for way too long for me to that one. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, Dr. Corolla pulls up his slides. I just want to give a disclaimer. Um, we have a ton and ton of content today. So please make sure to put your questions in the question and answer um, button on the bottom of your screen. Uh, we will make sure to get to those questions at the end of tonight. And as usual, we will stay here until, um, until those questions are all answered. So um, yeah, take it away, Dr. Corolla. Okay. So again, I'd like to thank Awaken to Sleep for inviting me tonight, talking about a topic that I've presented uh, in the past, uh, dental uh, oral appliance selection. And, and as, as Chad mentioned, my practice is about 45% uh, to 50% dental sleep medicine, and the rest is uh, dentistry, uh, with a focus mostly on uh, full arch implant restorative. Uh, I've been in Florham Park, New Jersey, about 45 minutes west of New York City for uh, since 1985. I have a nice associate with me now who's been with me almost two years. Um, I always like to tell people my why. Why do I do dental sleep medicine? Why did I get involved with it? Well, it's interesting because in 1993, 
that was that was me a long time ago. You could see now the beard is white, the hair is gray, and the mustache is was white. Uh, I was actually diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea. And what did they do first for me? They did a U triple P. I had my total uvula removed. Stop snoring. Uh, for about six months. And then we found out that that's not the answer as we know today. And I was placed on a CPAP machine and it worked. And, and again, uh, none of us should ever talk bad about CPAP. It's, it's an amazing therapy when it works. And especially for some of the severe patients and patients who maybe need combination therapy. Uh, and, and then I got involved with oral appliance therapy, as you'll see in the next slide. And so I basically actually have both. And then, and, you know, I favor my oral appliance, of course, and, and, but CPAP is a great therapy for a lot of our patients. And so between 19, um, 99 and 2004, I was just dabbling in dental sleep medicine. What did I do? I was basically making snore appliances. I wasn't really doing dental sleep medicine the way the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine says we should do it. It was just making snore appliances. But then I'll never forget one of the things that started around 2006 that really got me involved. Uh, that's a picture of my brother-in-law, Bill. Um, and I was power washing the deck uh, for Memorial Day weekend. And the phone rang and my wife says to me, you got to come to the phone. Your sister's on the phone. And I took the phone call and she's crying because my brother-in-law, Bill, died in his sleep. Uh, Bill was a severe uh, sleep apnea patient. And he was probably having, I think, I think at the time, I, if I remember, over 60 events an hour. And he typically went to the bathroom and forgot to put his CPAP mask back on. And just like Reggie White, famous football player, had a heart attack in his sleep. And, you know, the second half of the night, we know that there's more REM. It's worst part of sleep is the second half of the night. And when she went to wake him up around seven in the morning, he was dead. Uh, sad because at age 59, he should still be living uh, if he didn't uh, stop using the CPAP therapy. Um, so some of the things that we're going to try to go through tonight, it's a lot of information. I, and I said to Chad, uh, he has all my slides. And so we're well, you're welcome to have these. Uh, these slides for your for your use at the end, uh, because I know it's tough to either take notes or try to absorb a lot of this. And we're going to have some a lot of sticking points and some things will go through rather quickly just as background information and we'll kind of focus in on different appliances. So we'll go through some of these learning objectives. And so a lot of people always say, is there a best appliance? Can one appliance be used for all types of patients? And what are some of the important factors in, in that I use in selecting appliances? So we'll go through a lot of that. So we know there's probably over at least 140 <clears throat> FDA approved appliances for obstructive sleep apnea. So where do you pick? Well, there's a lot of things to start with. So one of the things I think we need to know is that what does it do? We know that the function of a mandibular advancement device is to advance the mandible in three different dimensions to open up the airway. It's going to stabilize the mandible in that position as our therapeutic bite once we calibrate that appliance to that position. And I use the word calibrate because the AADSM is now changing some of the, the terminology. The literature is always going to talk about you titrate to advance the appliances, uh, but now they're using more of the word of calibration of the appliance. So some of the characteristics I think that a good appliance should have are definitely patient comfort limiting some of the side effects. So we'll go through some of those. Durability. Um, 
Years ago, appliances were replaced about every three years. Now we're finding in New Jersey, especially like with Blue Cross Blue Shield in New Jersey, that it's five years to the day. So, you know, we want things that are going to last, that are not going to break down both internally and externally, not take uh, up bacteria or bio gunk. And we want them to be adjustable, as we said, with different types of biomechanical um, uh, compatible materials. So I always say that the appliance should fit the patient, not the patient fit the appliance. Yet I do uh, sort of limit to myself to about five different types of appliances. And I think that's a good number for some people. You might have certain situations that I use one appliance rather more frequently and one appliance less frequently, but I think we need to have in our toolbox more than one tool. <clears throat> My father used to always say, if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, everything's gonna look like a nail. So we wanna have more tools than just the, the hammer. So some of the early types of things that I can give you as tips are, let's look at the number of teeth. Let's look at the patient if they have a worn dentition. We're gonna look at their range of motion and their type of occlusion. Or they have short teeth, do we need something that has more type of retention? And, or <clears throat> what about people that already have a temporal mandibular uh, joint problem or some discomfort before we start therapy. Uh, I was recently at a course and that was a big topic. Do you treat the TMD first? Do you do the oral appliance to help alleviate the TMD? And there was a lot of mixed feelings. Uh, for me, as long as there's normal range of motion and there's not an internal derangement of the disc, I think that a mandibular advancement device can, not, uh, can help us with that type of patient. <clears throat> so I also say, let's look at the uh, patient's dentition. What's the number of teeth? Well, the guy on the left has a lot less teeth than the patient has a full dentition on the right. So when we have a patient like this on the, on the left, we might need appliance that's going to have some type of connection in the anterior position. That's going to be where the teeth are. And we might not be able to use something in the posterior, as you'll see when we talk about designs. Then I look about patients with bruxisms. Patients that have a lot of wear, on the, like the patient on the right, with shorter teeth, we need to have appliances that are gonna have more retention. And we're gonna need appliances that have some lateral movement. So there's different designs that'll work for, more for that patient. And so of course, we'd like to create a lot of tongue space, make appliances with a lot lingualist design. But when we have a, a patient with a worn dentition, we might need to cover the entire lingual of those lower teeth just to get, the, get some retention. And then we look about patients with crowns. So on the left, you have a patient that has all their natural teeth and the right is one of my patients that has a full upper and reconstruction that I did with a lot of uh, zirconia crowns. So this is one of my patients with full crowns on the top and bottom and then they need a sleep appliance. We want something to fit on there that's not gonna be so rigid to the point where um, it's gonna uh, put pressure on these crowns. So a lot of patients will come to me and say, hey, Dr. C, I have all these veneers. I don't want them to be destroyed or hurt or ruined or get loose with my appliance at night. So again, uh, Panorex are, let me just get back to Panorexes uh, for your patients are imperative because you get to see things. And in my practice, as I mentioned that it's about 50% dental sleep medicine, I'm at the point where most of my patients, I'd say about 90 5% of the patients that come to me are from sleep physicians. So I have a great network of sleep physicians, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the Q&A. In the and to the point where, so I'm not their dentist. 
um, you know, I'm not their treating dentist for crowns and restorative. So I need to have a baseline x-ray in my practice before I go forward. And there are times when I see things on that and I'll say to the patient, look, I see this area on this, on this panoramic x-ray, we'll send this to your dentist. And we'll send them a note saying, please look into this for whether it's a, a tooth that needs a root canal or a tooth that needs a crown. So if you're treating patients that come to you uh, strictly for sleep, you know, you're mostly going to help advocate their dentistry with their restorative doctor that they're seeing. So again, in examining the patient, I'm always going to look at their overjet and overbite because every patient is going to be able to have to be opened up a little different. The patient on the bottom left is already has an anterior open bite and they might not need as much opening in the posterior for, with their curve of say as the patient on the bottom right, which is a class two division two type of patient. So I always call this getting back to sea level. If you look at the patient with the overjet overbite on the left, it's about three millimeters to get them back to edge to edge with the other patient on the right is about six millimeters. So Every patient's going to need a little bit when we talk about a three-dimensional bite. So we talk about what to do. Uh, it was interesting at the um, AADSM meeting this year, there was a, one of the key speakers actually talked about how he uh, has about 70% of his patients after he's protruding them will need some type of vertical adjustment in their appliances. So I always like to address that initially so that I don't have to try to add uh, to my precision appliances uh, at the end. So we always look at our inter-arch space, whether we're using uh, uh, these newer jigs on the left called the optimal air jigs that I use or a George gauge, whatever our bite registration preference is, we wanna make sure that we're gonna have enough room. Um, there are times that on the prescriptions for the, a lot of different appliance companies and labs, they'll say, if we don't have enough room, do we open the bite? Do we need to call you about it? So those are things that you start thinking about when you take your bite. Say, wow, because everybody has a different curve of speed. Everybody has a different uh, relationship, anterior and posterior, as you start to protrude them. And so when you, when in doubt, a company like Prosomnus, and um, this is one of their slides that I used for when I teach, is going to show that there's going to be a minimum amount of interarch space needed for the patient in the anterior and the posterior for the material. Uh, so yes, you don't wanna go crazy and open them up so much, but you wanna make it to the point where you have enough room for the material design. And so when we talk a little bit about design into arch space and retention, uh, a little pearl that I'll just throw out now that I don't wanna forget is that when in doubt, whether it's the number of teeth or the design, a good thing to do is scan the patient like this, and I'm assuming most of us are using scanners or take impressions, send it to your lab of choice or your appliance company of choice and, and let them look at it. And like, as you see in the top two pictures and say, hey, yeah, this is going to work for retention. This is going to work for inter-arch space. Or no, I can't make something on this particular patient with our design for our specific appliance. And they'll do that for you before you, you know, go ahead and actually make it. It's a good idea. I get that from the, the labs. If I send it, they'll say, hey, Dr. C, I think the bite you took, I need to open it up a little bit. Or uh, there's going to be a retention factor with some of the nylon appliances. Can we do something to put a button on a molar to add retention? Attention. So you're going to get those from these appliance companies. So again, some of the other things I look for before I get into specific appliances is 
what type of class they have and their range of motion, their limited protrusion, because a patient that's a class three might not have a lot of protrusion that's greater than seven millimeters, you might have to add just a little bit of protrusion and open them up. Uh, there are studies that'll talk about um, statistically about where we start appliances. And I really don't want to get into a, a construction bite um, lecture on things. I know that that's been covered in the past, but we all have to start our patients at a position that we like to start before we do our calibrations. So again, I always look at protrusion. You know, it's in it's in the literature that talks about if someone has a protrusion less than seven millimeters is basically not as much protrusion as we want. And again, a patient that doesn't open more than twenty five millimeters isn't a patient that's also has a stable say TMD uh, area. So again, I also look at, as I mentioned a few times, their their vertical dimension of occlusion. Are they are they normal? Are they class one, two? Are they worn? So we want to look at all of these factors when we do this construction bite that we take. So let's talk a little bit hey, about. Hey, Doctor C. Absolutely, good, good hey, point. We are uh, we are about to jump into appliance selection. So I had a question sure. uh, from Michael Steinberg. He said, "Can we count on bruxers to stop bruxing with?" our appliance? Actually, great question. And the, I, I think the answer is no. Uh, sleep bruxism, if you uh, listen to Gil uh, S from uh, Canada, is going to happen even with appliances. Um, and I've seen it where uh, recently I actually had a patient who uh, we made him an, a herpst, which is supposed to have a lot of lateral movement and actually broke the herpst bar. Uh, from bruxism. Um, it's crazy, but it happens. So I don't think we're going, always going to eliminate sleep bruxism. And, 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 um, and that's going to happen, I think, no matter what. Uh, it's still going to happen occasionally. Well, it, le it could lessen, but it's not always going to be eliminated 100% for every patient. Cool. Do you have awesome. another question? Uh, no, that'll do it for now. Tony, Tony the Magnificent. Uh, we'll save your question for a little while later. That's his name, by the way, folks. He put it. He, he did Tony it the Magnificent. Uh, yeah. All right. I thought um, that my friend calls me Dr. C the Maestro, but I'll, I'd like the Magnificent. <laughs> That's kind of a kind of a nice one, too. Yeah. So I know we're about to get into appliance selection. So uh, we'll yep. we'll keep on going. I'm sure you have some bruxism components there. So we'll get to the rest of your questions a little, a little while later, folks, as well. Keep on going. Thanks. Terrific. All right, so this provisional appliance uh, for sleep is just like provisional appliances for dentistry. So if I'm gonna have a patient with a single tooth implant, do I make them a flipper like on the left? Do I make them an Essex retainer like in the middle or a little bit of a Maryland bridge on the right? Um, I had a situation today actually that came just as we talk about provisional appliances. And so why are there provisional appliances? Sometimes patients still need some dental work uh, I'll, I'll talk about pregnant women in a little bit. Uh, they also sometimes patients of mine have very poor uh, medical insurance or they haven't met deductibles and they have a, a higher copay. And they're like, it's not that I don't want to pay it, but I want to know if I can tolerate something. And that happened today. I had an, a patient who came to me with a, a horrible medical plan. And he's like, I could afford to do this, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to tolerate sleeping with something. So I made a suggestion for him that we make this uh, provisional appliance that you'll see in the next slide. Uh, pregnant women, it's an interesting thing that uh, just to talk briefly about is that just like women can have gestational diabetes, they can actually have gestational OSA. I've seen that. Uh, we've made it a practice in our dental 
a sleep medicine practice that we, if any of our women are pregnant and they seem to gain a lot of weight, I ask them how they're sleeping, if they start to snort in their sleep. Uh, I always feel if, if, if a mother's not getting enough oxygen, maybe the baby isn't either, of course. So we've actually made provisional appliances for pregnant women. And then after they have their uh, baby, and they lose that baby weight, maybe two, three months down the road, we'll test them again with another sleep study. And if they're not uh, positive for OSA, they're done. If they are positive, then we'll uh, transition them into a more permanent type of oral appliance. Uh, this is one of my favorites called the EMA First Step. Um, it's made in the office. It's similar to an EMA, which is a nice type of appliance for provisionals. So it's basically costs about $70 to buy. Uh, we take alginates or, or could scan the patient and get some digital models. And the staff makes this for me in about um, less than an hour. We put 60 to 90 minutes, but we got it down to about 45 minutes. And, and we just charge a cash fee for this. So the patients pay a cash fee. A good fee would be anywhere on the low end of $250 to save $500. And, and I've had this last a good three to six months as a trial appliance for those type of patients or for the patient who has that gestational diabetes, I'm sorry, gestational OSA during pregnancy. Another one that's a little bit more expensive and a little bit more technique sensitive to make is this called EMA Now. It's a nice provisional appliance that is basic, almost like a boil and bite. But unlike a monoblock boil and bite, this actually has the EMA uh, straps on the side and it comes with three or four different straps. So you can actually uh, see how the patient's doing with say a home sleep testing device to, to see if where they need to be as a temporary appliance. So this is also something that we like to use in our practice. Uh, I used to use this, uh, I stopped using the Moses Express, but it's an available appliance that fits over Invisalign retainers. Um, I used to use this exclusively for my Invisalign patients, but I'm using more of the EMA Now type of appliance over my Invisalign patients. So, but this is another one, it's a boil and bite. You can reheat the appliance on the left about three or four times while the Invisalign trays are being uh, used for the extended period. Uh, I have a lot of patients who come to me and they're in Invisalign and then we're actually having to make them a oral appliance for their OSA. Uh, the MyTaps is a similar appliance that can be used. It can be made pretty quickly in the office and reheated a few times. Uh, when you make these appliances like the EMA Now or the MyTap, these thermal type of plastic materials, you make sure you lubricate the uh, trays in the mouth so that the, the material doesn't stick to your Invisalign tray ruts. It's going to be fused together. So don't want to do that. So we use a little Vaseline, lubricate them, and use the MyTap or the EMA now to fit over those types of patients. So those are three good transitional type of appliances that we use. Um, Materials, we talk about different materials. The metal and acrylic was trying to get popularity from one company. You don't see much of it at all anymore. Uh, you're both, mostly uh, seeing traditional acrylic, uh, milled acrylic, nylon, and the bottom right, the prosomnus type of uh, PMMA or medical grade six material. Those are more of the common types of materials that you're gonna have. And if you've taken AADSM mastery, and you're doing a lot of sleep, you know that there's different mechanism of actions on appliances. So there's the four type that you see here. And that, you know, for instance, a tap is a midline 
push-pull. And it ha they all have advantages and disadvantages. Every appliance, there's no perfect appliance for some things. And, all, and then yet all appliances, again, are not made equally either. So, you know, the, the tap is not one of my favorite appliances, but I do use it, especially in a patient that maybe only has the upper six and lower six teeth. And, um, and just to think about that patient, I had a question that came up to me. Somebody said, well, if they have the upper six teeth and a, and a partial and the lower six teeth and a partial, do you make the appliance over the partial? Uh, and I always say there's too many moving parts. Um, and so I don't do that. So what I do do is take the partials out and I might make them a tap so that it has an interior lock where their teeth are. Uh, bilateral compression, herps. I mean, it's a standard. I think Herps is still the number one style of appliance made in the United States. Great lateral movement, unlike that one patient of mine who actually broke it, um, it's really pretty durable. Um, and their cons, people always say that the bar sometimes irritates the side of the cheek. The prosomnus has these comfort bumps that they add to the side of their um, situation where they're uh, help with that. So they're pretty good. It's a one piece insertion. That's the other uh, difficult thing that I don't like. Sometimes I like appliances um, for patients to put in one at a time. And, uh, and I'm gonna mention something in a second uh, after I finish these next two slides. Um, and the uh, Panthera and the EMA are these bilateral traction appliances. Uh, or fulcrum strap type of thing. And they're, they're pretty good for lateral movement. And again, they, you can try them in one at a time because you could take away these sort of uh, straps like an EMA to see how they're, they're, they're working and they work pretty good. Again, sometimes people feel that they ir uh, irritate the side of the cheek, but I haven't found that to be uh, too uh, much of an issue. Uh, the one I make the most of is, a, is a, a bilateral interlocking type of traction appliance. So when we, we look at that, uh, a lot of the appliances, like you see the one on the bottom, has a 70-degree po post. Uh, I'm going to tell you something that I, I hate to use the word never and ever, but I never make a 70-degree post. All my appliances have a 90-degree post. And one of the reasons is, is that when you make a 70-degree post, if you're not using elastics to keep them closed, they will actually open their mouth a little bit when they sleep, anywhere from six to seven millimeters. So when you look at this slide here and you see that on the right, it's highlighted in that rose color. If they open in seven or eight millimeters, you can actually lose two and a half to almost three millimeters of their protrusion. So how you take this patient, you put him in a nice jaw position. And if their mouth is closed, they're gonna have that mandibular advancement that you've so selectively calibrated to. And yet if they open, they're going to lose that. So um, that's kind of uh, one of the things that's one of my sticking points is I really never make 70 degree posts anymore. <clears throat> All I make is a 90 degree post. Um, before we get into the next thing, one of the things I think is imperative to ask your patient right up front, especially my patients who come to me from the sleep physicians, is that I ask them if you ever worn anything in your mouth. If they say, yeah, I've done Invisalign or I've wore a Bruxine appliance, a single large Bruxine appliance, the patients who have worn something to sleep with, whether it's Invisalign or a, a traditional night guard, have a, a very easy adjustment to wear an oral appliance therapy.
Patients who've never, ever, ever slept with something in their mouth have a little bit more of an adjustment curve. And that's why I like sometimes the separated appliances. They could put one in at one night, one in the second night if they have to, or again, then put them both in together. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of uh, sort of the mechanism of action. And so kind of before we get into um, uh, some of the specific types of companies for appliances, I'd like to, uh, Chad and I talk a little bit about some, a couple of uh, questions and answers. And, and so besides having questions and answers here, um, one of the things that you're always going to have is availability through Awaken to Sleep is having Chad, Michael Cowan, and their team as coaches to guide you through some of this, because they've, they have enough experience in listening to myself speak and some of the other key speakers that they've had, like Dr. Murphy and Shoresh, uh, Dr. Anjouili on their panels, uh, that they have all this information to help guide you with some of the selection. Chad, you want to um, segue in that a little bit? Yeah, um, we're, we're always happy. To, we've got some QR codes. As as you guys know, we've, we've been doing this. A lot of you all have been here a couple of times. But if you guys want to talk to a coach or ask them his questions, you know, we have direct access to doctors like Dr. C, uh, who can be a sounding board for us. So if you have any further questions or you get off the web and like, shoot, I didn't get this thing answered, or I didn't even get to ask this, no problem. Um, and Shaw asked, can we get a copy of the slides? Um, Dr. C actually answered this earlier. You can get a copy of the slides. Um, go ahead and email us back tonight if, if uh, you want a copy of those. We'll need a day or so to prepare those. Uh, and we'll make sure to get them back to you. Um, yeah, we'll send them out like as a PDF file for them. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll make sure to get that going. Um, and we do have a couple other questions. Um, I and also also I have my at the very end you'll have my access to my email. I'm an email person. It's just hard to come to a phone. Uh, I get a lot of mentoring questions, so feel free at the end to get a copy of my email tonight. Uh, you have any questions in the next couple of days, I check my email pretty much th throughout the day as long as I'm not with a patient and I can always answer a question and send an attachment of a picture for you if you need it. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, we are going to hold the other two questions we've got um, for, for the end as well. And folks, don't be afraid to ask questions now. We will get to them later, we promise. But Dr. C, take it away. All right. Thanks. <clears throat> So we're kind of a little bit more at the halfway point just to because we went through the basics and stuff. So let's talk about where do you get appliances made? Um, there are a few companies like Prosomnus, Panthera, Somnimed, and Serena Sleep that is direct to manufacture. You can order these from a lab. Somnimed you can with some labs, but definitely Prosomnus uh, is direct to, to, and, uh, to you, and so is Serena. I know Panthera was doing with some labs. Uh, I'm not sure if they're strict as that anymore but they're more direct and that's great because they have total control over everything. Uh, then you have great dental labs like Apex Dental Lab, Sunny, True Functions Lab, um, Frank, uh, AMAC Lab, Dynaflex, great labs that offer a lot of different appliances. So again, we talked about having, you know, more tools in your toolbox than just the hammer. So you have a couple places that you can get these appliances from. Uh, we talked a little bit about Herb's design. I just want to always go through some of the designs. And we talk about that it's a great appliance for uh, 
adjustments and and there's a range herps is you know affordable there's a lot of labs that will make a less expensive herps um i do make some herps uh for my medicare it's my medicare appliance of choice uh from that i use and you'll see that a little later uh the tap again we talked about what that does it's an anterior connection i don't use a lot of taps I use it specifically maybe in those cases where I have just the low, uh, the upper and lower anterior teeth where I don't have a lot of posterior to do a type of a, a traditional traction or like a bilateral connecting appliance like a, a prosomnus or an EMA type of situation. And so I think we all have to have these in our toolbox. Uh, the EMA is great because again, we have that provisional EMA that we talked about that I use. It has a lot of tongue room. I use it as a, a temporary appliance, but they also make a good EMA lab appliance that could be made milled if you need that. And so it does have a lot of uh, tongue room. The straps is if you don't know, come in different colors. Um, they st usually start out in the yellow color. Uh, if the patient goes laterally and starts popping them off, you can switch to a more firmer strap that's blue. And then they have a clear and a white one. So there's different strengths of uh, strength of the straps if you need that, if the patient is a severe bruxure or moves and pops the straps off. Uh, Somnimed uh, came out with one of their newest uh, and their probably signature appliance called the Avant. Uh, very comfortable appliance for patients. It has their new liner. I'll talk a little bit about liners. They tell me that this liner um, doesn't have some of the problems that some of the other liners have. It's a milled outside with a line inside. It has this fulcrum strap. Uh, I've heard some, I don't make a lot of Avants. Uh, I did a few. Uh, I've had patients who like the fulcrum strap. Some people don't. It's sort of a half connected appliance unlike an interlocking or sort of a, a dorsal type of appliance that you can open up more with. Uh, I mentioned the Panthera, the nylon, the uh, Serena and Panthera have nylon appliances. Um, I used to make a lot of nylon. Uh, I am not as much of a nylon fan anymore. Uh, I talked about appliances and side effects. And again, I don't wanna have a whole lecture on side effects, but I'm concerned about uh, some of the appliances that actually fit to the teeth as opposed to fully engage the teeth. And they, they have improved it. So I've seen improvements in, in the Panthera that are more engaging into the teeth. And so is the Serena. Um, the Panthera has a, a bunch of different upper and lower bands and plateaus that you can do. Uh, and so my only recommendation is that you don't make it with just the labial lingual. Uh, all of our appliances have the bull theory. The pressures are in the buckle of the upper and the lingual of the lower. And we know we can actually have some tooth movement with that, where the buckle of the upper, we're pushing the upper interior sort of palatally with the appliance and the lowers can slightly flare out sometimes in just in, this, in these appliances. So I'm not going to make that upper left labial strap because I want to cover all the teeth. So my theory for side effects, and I give a whole lecture on side effects, is that we cover and engage all our teeth. So I'm going to pick the straps from Panthera, and I've done this, where I do the full coverage, which is the one on the top left. Second from the left is my, my one of choice. 
And um, that's the one I like to use if I if you see the, my mouse circle in that. And I like the plateaus that have the anterior open space. So that's my only um, drawback. They have a lot of designs. You're going to set preferences with it, whether it's with Panthera or any of the companies. Uh, Serena Sleep is kind of new to the thing. It's a it's a well fitting uh, nylon appliance. They come in with a four and a, and, a, and a nine advancement system. If you take a more protrusive bite, you might get away with only the fours. You might not have to spend the extra money to get the nine. That's what I kind of do. I try to really get my construction bite where I want it so I don't have to over titrate and spend too many visits uh, calibrating patients. Uh, Prosomnus is precision. Uh, that's one of, of course, Awaken to Sleep sponsors. Um, and it's the, my appliance of choice. They have a lot of uh, designs that we can pick from. They have their traditional legacy appliances, which were uh, very popular for up till about two years ago. Um, they're the more rigid milled uh, uh, material PMMA, medical grade six. Uh, I've switched over to all of their designs with the Evo or their evolutionary material, which is a flexible material, uh, which is medical grade six uh, material. So when they say medical grade six, what does that mean? Well, if they had to make a knee replacement, they can use actually that material in the body. It's approved to be used both in, in the appliance, say, and also in the body. It's a, it's a special uh, type of PMMA. So it's not all PMMAs are not equal. Uh, it's a special medical grade six material that they're making out of their, their appliance of that. And so it's actually become the number one appliance in the, in the United States right now. Uh, it's not in Europe. They're, they're working there. Um, it has great designs. We can make a dorsal. They make a continuous advancement um, appliance that can be used for a patient that needs micro adjustments. And of course, they have uh, their Herps design. Um, this is their newest one that I'm doing a lot of called the Evo Select. Um, they did a study where they took 100 patients and they made patients wear their existing appliance and then give them a new Evo Select. And 94% um, of the patients uh, preferred that they would, if they had to pick one, would use the newer appliance. Uh, I'm actually replacing some of my patients' appliances um, who had older, different appliances with this, this new uh, material. And it's not just because it has that nice flex to it and it's medical grade six. There's a lot of other factors that we're going to show in a few minutes that I like this material uh, very much. Um, it's called, first of all, it's comfort and it's, and it's not a volume. So when you look at volume, there are studies that show how small the Evo is to compare to some of the other designs. Uh, has an, an anatomic contour on the teeth. So it's got, you know, these rounded posts. And so there's very good com patient comfort with this design. Uh, I actually was part of a study with uh, Dr. Ken Smith, myself, Dr. Aditi from uh, England, and Dr. Mark Murphy, where we talked about this and staining and realized that this appliance um, not only is the, picks up the least amount of bacteria, but it's very indicated in both mild, moderate, and severe cases. So we have a lot of research we're doing. Uh, Prosomnus is working on a flow stat study now for severe indications, which I think is gonna change a, a lot of people's minds, especially sleep physicians, when we can compare um, <clears throat> oral appliance therapy 
to both CPAP and hypoglossal nerve for some of the more severe patients. So that's coming out. Uh, and again, this is another study that I was part of that was more of the staining study with materials. Uh, Dr. Murphy and I did this. Um, I helped write the article. The uh, they company themselves did the uh, staining for us. Tongue space. A lot of appliances talk about tongue space. And you could see in the middle slide different older designs of dorsals to the, um, the sort of milled prosomnus appliance that has a lot of lingualis. Again, so we're looking for good retention with a lot less tongue space when we have it. So again, lots of reasons I, I'm using this as my sort of go-to company or because I have the three or four designs that I like. Um, they actually have two medical directors. Dr. John Remmers is doing an outstanding job on that FlowSat study. And I have a Dr. Eddie Saul, a dentist ENT uh, from Syracuse is on their board and, and uh, dental director, Dr. Mark Murphy. So they're doing research. And some of the other companies uh, like Somnimit are doing research, but I think they're cutting edge in, in some of the research that they're coming out with. <clears throat> so the other thing is that appliances design, we want to always reduce some of the side effects. So again, I said I wasn't going to go into a side effects lecture, but I do like to talk a little bit about some of them. And, and everything has side effects. CPAP has side effects. Hypoglossal nerve stimulation has side effects. Oral appliance therapy has side effects. So some of the minor side effects, when I gave a lecture, I talked about the minor ones, meaning things like sore teeth, dry mouth, or excess saliva, things that we can get through pretty quickly. Um, you know, we don't want to have open contacts and, and bio gunk, but those are more the minor ones. And the major ones I always find is tooth movement. You know, we don't want to have teeth move. Again, that's why I said I try to cover and engage all of my appliances. I don't want to have bite changes. And I'll talk about bite changes and how I address that. And I also don't want to create any discomfort. I want to alleviate any discomfort that they might start with, but not create some. So again, what are the issues that I see with side effects with acrylic and lined appliances? It's things like staining and smell. Um, look at an appliance. I, I mentioned earlier that they're not going to be replaced till about year five. Uh, I've seen appliances at the three-year mark, and a lot of them break down. Uh, both, especially the liner appliances. Patients soak them. You tell them not to soak them in certain caustic things like these denture effervescent tablets, but they typically do anyway. So again, is it always the manufacturer's fault? Sometimes no, sometimes it's the patient. But what happens is liners delaminate. And when a liner delaminates, you're going to get some tooth movement. I mentioned biogunk or uh, Dr. Uh, Michael Gelb did a great article on, on biogunk with, with, uh, with prosomnus. And this is a four-year-old, an acrylic appliance that comes into my office on the top. And this is a four-year-old milled uh, PMMA appliance uh, from prosomnus that doesn't have that buildup of biogunk. It's, just, it's almost as pristine as I see it. I just had a lady that had one that was about six years old and it looked as good as I gave it to her. And I actually questioned whether she was using it every night because I thought it would pick up some stain, but she says, I do what you tell me. I brush it with antibacterial soap in the morning because it doesn't have porosity in it. The soap's not going to get inside the appliance and I rinse it and they really keep it clean. So these are those <clears throat> studies on both uh, color differences between a milled material and acrylic materials with liners, and also the nylon ones that you seem to pick up more, more of the staining. So again, is materials 
matter? Absolutely. So I think, you know, you start looking at your appliances, you know, nylon is not a bad appliance, but look at them after three years. I've had a lot of uh, Pantheras that were three and five years that barely made it to the um, finish line before I had to replace them. So again, we don't want to see the cracking. We don't want to see the bio gunk like the bottom right. That's an actual appliance that the patient wear after about four years. Uh, I don't know how they put that in their mouth every night because it's kind of disgusting, but we don't want to see that. The, uh, the delamination, the bottom middle picture is what I see a lot of. When liners start to fray, patients peel it out. So what was an appliance that fit and engaged all the teeth when it was made becomes after three and a half, four years of something that's just covering the teeth. And there, when we start to see the tooth movement, uh, contacts opening and stuff like that. So we don't want to see those. So again, um, one of the things that they, they pride themselves on is that all their prosomnus devices are uh, intentionally designed to reduce some of the side effects. When we talked about the bite changes, the morning repositioner is an important thing. And I'll just go through this quickly. Uh, it's been proven with, as a standard from AADSM, lots of different types that you can make. You can make a bite wafer, you can make this little cowboy one on the top. Um, since I'm making a milled appliance, uh, some companies like Prosomnus and other companies will make you a morning repositioning uh, as part of the case. And that's how I get mine. So I might, I make mine out of the same milled material that comes with the appliance. And I like that. So it gives me um, two appliances at the time of delivery. So I always tell my patients that even though you're going to wear the sleep appliance for the seven and a half, eight hours that you sleep every night, the morning repositioning appliance is smaller, but equally important. Sometimes it might be more important. And one of the things I do is I recommend that I see my patients every six months. I know that they say after a year, you could see them yearly, uh, but I'm not their dentist for a lot of things, but I want to see them. I want to control that. If I see a minor bite change, I can correct it in the three to six month period. I can't if those lateral pterygoids are stretched out, it's hard to, to uh, correct that anterior shift after uh, a year. So again, I, I like to have these where they contact from sort of premolar to premolar or canine to canine so that when the patient bites, they have that posterior occlusion it's for that proprioception, okay? And so again, Medicare has requirements there is, and you'll have it in the slides, a list of um, uh, PDAC approved appliances. So Medicare says that it has to be a Medicare approved appliance made by a Medicare approved uh, facility or lab. So there's a list of all the ones that are there. And so you can get that uh, on that website. AADSM has a great list of all the appliances that are Medicare approved. And most of them are Herps and TAP. Uh, I told you for my full dentitions, the Herps is my appliance of choice for Medicare. Um, Dynaflex makes a milled, Somnomec makes a Herps Advance, both good Herps. Um, I'm making more of the new Prosomnus Evo, the one on the right. I like that flexible material. It's not as rigid, more comfort. Um, and it also has an, a, a nice design of the dual arm that they have. Made it something a little different than other arms. 
So again, they have some statistics out there on their precision herbs that I won't bore you with, but you can look at this uh, when you get the slides talking about how their herb storms are a little bit different than some of the other ones on the market that they've done in their internal studies. All right, so we're, we're almost wrapped up with the lecture and I really wanna to get to the questions and have Chad chime in on some of the new things that uh, Awaken to Sleep is offering. One of the things that you're gonna see is there's a one I think coming out already and ProSomnus is working on one where I think it's gonna be game changing and you'll see this probably um, in November this year from them where they're gonna actually have a pulse oximeter into the upper member of the appliance. And so it's basically going to do uh, oxygen and pulse every night, and it can be uploaded to a cloud, just like uh, CPAP, the physicians can then see this on a, on, a, on a weekly basis. So one of the things sleep physicians don't like is that with CPAP, they monitor the patient's compliance and efficacy, but it's hard to do that when we make a, an oral appliance and do a one night sleep study to see if it's working. So now we're going to have data <clears throat> uploaded on a weekly basis that sleep physicians can also look at and get paid for when we have these types of sensors added to these appliances. So it's gonna be game changing when these things come out. So <clears throat> that's gonna be on your radar for later uh, 2024. I think you'll notice that. And there's gonna be a couple other companies I'm sure that are working on things that are similar to this. So there's kind of the prototypes that I got to witness. It goes into a docking station and it's kind of gonna be game changing. So that is my family. Um, my two daughters, uh, Michelle on the left and Katarina on the right. Um, there's my email. It's my name, Dr. John Carollo at optonline.net. Again, as I said, uh, feel free at any time to email me. Um, I get uh, at least two or three emails a day from uh, lectures I've given and people I know who I've mentored because uh, I've had people come to my office and mentor. Uh, and I know Awaken to Sleep is starting to look into things like that. Chad will talk a little bit more about um, his pivot program that we're, that we're working in. Being, it's a great two-day program that is going to be offered in two different locations. And part of that might have some of the mentoring av availability with it. So uh, we'll, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a sh shortly. So again, I, I apologize for the pace. I'm from New Jersey, New York area. We talk fast. <laughs> And a lot of information, but again, this is, a, this is gonna also be recorded. So I know that you can listen to this again. You're gonna have the slides. Uh, I've had patients and friends of mine say, uh, friends of mine say, I listened to your lecture the second time. I got more out of it the second time because there was so much information that you go through. And again, I'd like to cover a lot because I know that we um, have um, availability to look at the slides later and also watch this as a rerun. So we're going to take some Q&A. And then after that, I think I'd like uh, Chad to, to, to talk about something I'm excited about, which is their um, two-day pivot uh, to dental sleep med, uh, medicine uh, changes that they're going to have of courses in two different locations. And he'll go into specifically what it is and, and how it works and, 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 and who's going to be part of it. So let's, um, let's jump into the questions here. We'll go for, for Tony the Magnificent's question. Uh, you mentioned a set number of teeth of appliance for appliance selection. What about people with implants, single tooth or locator uh, CD to fix or to fixed hybrid? I apologize. Okay, so usually, 
The standard is a minimum of six teeth, but I like eight to do an appliance with. Uh, as far as uh, locators, uh, I actually, I think I'm going to be doing a lecture with AADSM next year on edentialism, uh, how to do it with patients with full upper uh, teeth. Uh, and you can do, uh, you, you know, just real quickly, I, I've made plenty of appliances on patients with, who have a good retained upper denture and two locators, if not four implants on the bottom. So you can do that. Uh, I never make mine over existing dentures. That's two movable parts. It's just not the way I do it. So yeah, so Tony, the magnificent two implants, you can make it just like you do an overdenture. And so you will then make it and then add the locators into the sleep appliance in the mouth intraorally. And there's a technique and you feel free to email me. I actually send you a couple of slides on, on how I do it. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. And Tony, we'll see you in, I believe, San Diego, if I remember correctly. Uh, Dr. Salas um, says, how do you know how much to set the VDO? Well, I think that's important. I mean, some people just use a traditional uh, George Gage set at two, three millimeters. I don't you do that. Uh, some people use a snore test. I basically, you know, used to use a lot of echo vision and pharyngometry. I still have it. Um, but doing any experience, I realized that we don't want to open people up too, too much. I think it's a balance. I think uh, if I look at the tongue size, I look at the pharyngeal opening. I think sometimes those patients, you need a little bit more vertical than another patient. Uh, class three patients need a little bit more. Uh, so I basically, you know, usually have a set formula where about where I start patients in the four to six millimeter range. Uh, from their teeth. And then again, some people start everybody at 50% protrusion. I've seen that not work for a lot of cases. I think you need to start people less. I think there's studies, uh, Dr. Murphy did a lecture, where he talked about dose. And, and we know that uh, studies show that once you get beyond 50% protrusion, you do get sometimes uh, more TMD side effects. So I think there's a balance. We're seeing less and less uh, protrusion. We're looking at, there's been studies that just bringing a patient edge to edge and opening them slightly and maintaining the mandible from falling backwards is sometimes just enough for patients. So I hope that Mike uh, answered your question. Yeah. And, and for that dose, we actually have that as a recorded webinar on our website. So if you need that link, let us know. Uh, dose management, you can just go to recorded webinars on our website or, or let us know. We'll send you the link. Uh, Michael Steinberg uh, said, can, dis can a discluding element protect the arms of a herpst, um, I believe, for bruxism? Yeah, you know, Michael, question? it's an interesting question. I make anterior discluders on a lot of my um, um, dorsal type appliances. I, I never made it on a herpst. Um, I only had the one patient who broke the arms on the herpst, uh, and he had a rigid herpst. And um, I'm now making them the more flexible herpes. So he hasn't broken that yet, but I've never tried an anterior discluder on a herpes. Uh, I think that's a good point, Michael. I think I might try that with, you know, that, now that you said that, because uh, we know the anterior discluders do work and they help with certain types of cases and they're indicated for certain patients, uh, but I've never done it on a herpes. I, I, I think that's an interesting point. I think I might experiment now that you, you brought that up and I never thought of that. So you've given me some to learn today from. Awesome. I love uh, learning while teaching. It's one of the Absolutely. coolest pieces. Absolutely. Uh, not a question, but Amanda Schneider said, thanks for an excellent lecture. Um, thank you, Amanda, for joining us today. It's great to, great to have you on.
Uh, we've got two questions from Sue. Um, how do I know which appliance to use or which one to dictate to the lab to make? Well, I guess, Sue, I mean, I don't know the level of how many appliances you made. I think you need to, to try a few. Uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you haven't made appliances on yourself to try a few on yourself. Uh, I've, I've tried everything. I've, mm -hmm. worn, I've worn a nylon appliance. I've worn a tap. I've worn an, uh, a dorsal. I've worn a Herbst. Um, and so, again, they all have different mechanisms of actions. You know, look at your patient's dentition and try different designs and see what you feel that the patients are like and what kind you're going to start to get some good uh, results with, with, uh, with your post-op sleep studies. So, again, one appliance doesn't fit every patient, and I think you need to have three or four. But I think you wouldn't go wrong with pick, picking some of the ones that we recommended tonight from from their EMAs are nice appliances, their comfort to start. Um, a uh, Evo Select is a nice appliance to start. A Herbs can be nice. So you have three right there to start with. I think that'll get you rolling uh, for most of your patients. And I'll, I'll just tag onto that, Sue, less of a clinical answer, more of just a one. I, I believe in trying a lot of appliances. I've worn several myself. I wear one right now. Uh, but I'll need a new one after I get done with my CPAP here um, while doing ortho. But um, if you need, if you want to, if anyone here wants to try an appliance you haven't tried, let us know. We have really good relationships with most appliance manufacturers. We're happy to see if we have any discounts or anything for you. And more than that, if you're not sure which appliance to try, schedule that call with a coach. We're happy to kind of walk you through the pros and cons. We have an entire course dedicated to the clinical foundations of dental slip medicine and actually how to submit a lab slip. So we can definitely help out with that if need be. Cool. Um, we got Dr. Daryl Azus. I apologize if I butchered the name. How do you handle when the mandible comes forward and the patient can no longer go back to their habitual bite? Well, I'm, I'm assuming, Dr. Daryl, that you made them a morning repositioner. Um, again, if I catch it early enough, I use bite tabs um, that I use, and I use some of the AADSM jaw exercises that I can get the patient back if there's a small shift. If that's a patient, like I had a patient who had a three millimeter to four millimeter uh, protruded bite that was three years running, you're not going to you're not going to change that patient. That patient's basically either lives there, which is not what you want, or they're going to have to go into orthodontics. Um, so again, how do I handle it? I don't let it happen. That's the first thing. Uh, I, I want to be proactive and not reactive. I want to make a morning repositioner for all my patients. I want to make sure they use it. That's why I I um, I give a lecture on side effects. Another little Dr. C. Pearl is you take a piece of dental floss, fold it in half and half again and roll it. Have them put it on their uh, closure of their, like say number 30 and let them bite number three and 30 together. Have them pull on that floss and it's tight. And I tell them once a week, you try that. If that floss starts to come loose, you come and see me. And wow. they, if they use, that's a little pearl that I've picked that I do for patients. And that, if they do that at home, they're, they're going to say, because I want to catch that, uh, Dr. Darrell, within, within weeks, not months or years. So that's how I do it. So, but there's a few things. I've also made Essex retainers with class three elastics to try to bring the jaw back. But again, you're fighting a losing battle if it's, if it's more uh, chronic than acute. Wow, I like the the floss test. I've never heard of that one before. Yeah, well, you know, you got to pick up a pearl here and there, right? Yeah, yeah. The maestro, it's got to give you a pearl. That's right. 
Uh, Dr. Rella Rappaport said, when do you, what do you use to follow up HST? Um, I'm also going to say, Dr. Carillo, I know you're in New Jersey, so that's a tricky question for you. If you want to tag me, we, we do that. No, but uh, well, I'll tell you what I do in New Jersey. Again, we're not allowed to dispense home sleep testing, uh, but we are allowed to do calibration testing. So again, I always like, like for like, um, that's one of the things. So if the patient started with a watch pad, I'd like to see that as the follow-up sleep test. If they had an Aries unit or an Umbella or any of the devices, they're all good uh, initial testing. If they had an in-lab test, I mean, they're probably not going to get an in-lab test for to, to see your follow-up, but try to do like for like, and there's ways to do that. So again, in New Jersey, I don't bill for it because I'm a lot allowed. Um, but in my, in my, in my office, uh, we do send home a watch pad. And we tell the patient, look, this is just a calibration study. It's not going to be interpreted by a sleep physician. It's just going to give me some data uh, because especially with my high moderates and severe patients, I don't want to have the patient go back and forth in New Jersey from me to the sleep physician, back to me, back and forth. So again, where I feel that there's two things I look for. Uh, I want to make sure that all their subjective signs are gone. You know, did they stop snoring? Did they feel more rested? You get all those good subjective things done. Uh, and then I will um, send them home, say, with a watch pad that they paid just for the disposable. But it's not a definitive study. They go back to the sleep physician for the definitive study. And, and you want yeah. to chime in. Yeah. So we have a ton of clients um, who are doing referrals and whatnot. Um, there's a bunch of different home sleep test devices. They all basically do the same thing. It just kind of depends on the cost structure for de deciding which home sleep test. But when you get a referral, a lot of our clients will actually have their patients do a baseline test. And again, that's not, they already have a diagnosis. They don't need another one, but they'll get that baseline test. They'll run it through an artificial intelligent titration report just to get the kind of tech edit feel to it. And then they'll use that compared to these adjust, these tests that Dr. Crollo is mentioning to see how the patient's doing as a titrate. And that way, even no matter what home sleep test you use, you can always have a baseline to compare to and something to compare to down the road as well. So when you send it back to the physician, you can say with confidence, this is where we are with their treatment. Yeah, it's a great way to do it. Cool. Uh, Dr. Daryl again says, do you ever intentionally bring the mandible into a more protrusive and permanent bite to relieve TMJ pain? Well, I don't intentionally bring them there. I try if they're if they're having severe TMD and I don't think an appliance is it should be done initially. I'm not going to make an appliance. They're going to have to go on CPAP and I might make them some type of appliance therapy. They might need other other modalities for TMD therapy, whether it's trigger point injections and things like that. That's a whole nother that could be a whole a whole day lecture almost. Uh, but I don't intentionally bring them forward to alleviate. Uh, pain. I want to take care of their TMD if they're in severe pain. So again, as if you listen to what I said is if they don't have an internal derangement and they just have some minor soreness, a slightly mantibular advancement device usually alleviates that. If they have a true um, capsular problem or, or a closed lock situation, I think you want to handle that um, and maybe put the patient on different types of appliances or different therapies and rule that out and maybe keep them on CPAP. And as I mentioned earlier, CPAP's a great option. 
you know, we, you know, we do a lecture sometimes called, um, I don't know if, if Chad done it, but I did this lecture at the Academy one year, um, non-responders. What do you do? Mm-hmm. I think you had that with Ken Smith, maybe uh, yeah. great lecture. I remember watching it <clears throat> and great, great, great doctor, Ken Smith, a phenomenal speaker. And, and, and nobody knows sleep probably more than him. He's one of my favorites. And every mm-hmm. time he speaks, I learn something. And so, you know, sometimes you're going to get non-responders. So, you know, CPAP combination therapy isn't a bad thing for some patients and also maybe for a TMD patient that you you're not going to over advance. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Rhonda asks, what is your bite registration technique of choice? Does it change based on the appliance you choose? So my bite registration technique of choice is basically using these airway metrics type jigs. I like them because I, you know, I have friends of mine that make uh, George Gage bite forks, which are great. So you could do the same thing with George Gage. You can I just don't think everybody fits into a two millimeter and a five millimeter George gauge. So if I was using George gauges on a regular basis, I would make a two, a three, a four, a five millimeter George gauge because I everybody has a different position. So I would I like that. So yeah, so you can use a George gauge as your as your bite registration of choice. You can use uh, these bite jigs, anything you use. It doesn't matter for the appliance. All you need is something that's going to position that jaw in your construction bite, whether it's at the 35, 40% protrusion based on their range of motion, whether it's through a snort test or, or your, your, like as you said, that the way you uh, dose describes it in, in a previous seminar, you wanna take your bite registration with a scan. I use scanners. so. The problem with scanners is that whether you use a George gauge or anything, sometimes the scanner can't see between the teeth and the opposing teeth. So a little trick I do is I just take some PVS putty and you can, when the patient's got the George gauge, you can just put a little putty, uh, smear it and just press it against the George gauge that covers the George gauge. Then you scan the lower teeth. Then the scanner sees the putty, then scans the upper teeth. And then it just captures that protrusive bite that you pick and then when it when it processes, the George gauge is not there and neither is the putty. So it just sort of helps you connect the dots. So it doesn't affect any of the appliances that I pick. Cool. Uh, Dr. Moser asked, with the Evo having flex, would you use this type on patients with multiple restorations crowns or would you still go with an appliance with a liner? Well, A, I don't make any appliances with liners anymore because like I said, uh, I've seen too many delaminate. <clears throat> and so when you when you start using anything, especially like an Evo, um, and you have a lot of crowns, uh, I do a pre-test with those type of cr- patients. Um, you can also put it into the profile saying, I want it retentive, but I don't want it over retentive. So that could be a profile set up with whether it's ProSomnus or Panther or any company. But what I do with my my uh, prosomnus appliances and I get it back, I take it the the first upper and lower, I put it on the model. If it snap clicks in and I can't get it off, it's gonna be too hard on the teeth. So uh, Dr. Murphy does a lecture, calls it dusting, where you just slightly round off the interproximal parts of the internal part of the appliance. I want it to fit on that model and be taken off with normal hand pressure and not like a vice to take it off. So that's what I do for those crown cases. And is the Evo, my, that would be my one of choice. So it's flexible, it's not gonna hurt the crowns. And if I pre-try it, I don't deliver it where it's over tight on those type of patients. I check it on the model first, I pre-adjust it. So when I deliver it, it just goes right in and I don't have spend, I'd rather spend more time without the patient and in the chair. 
Um, and it just works for me that way, checking in ahead of time. I actually just got a crown um, and I do have an Evo and where it did pull the temporary off, um, it's been, to, uh, the dentist did the dusting and adjusted the, the final. Uh, with yeah. the, oh, that's the a good point. Real quick. If you're going to have a crown, like uh, Chad just had done, he had an Evo made. So you already had your appliance made. So you probably had a, uh, whoever made your appliance. And again, I'm not the dentist always. I'm the dental sleep medicine. And they go to someone else. We have a thing in our post-op protocols. If you're going to have any dentistry done, let us know. So what we do is we will give you that model of say, mm -hmm. let's say you had a crown done on tooth number 14. So it can go to your dentist and a lab can scan the model. So they make the new crown to the same dimensions of your old tooth so that you really don't have to adjust the appliance much. Yeah, it was, it was a really strange one, actually. They used a scanner, got the, it was almost perfect, but something, it, yeah, they still had to adjust at the end. It was, it was, it was a fun time. But um, cool. So we'll, let's keep on. We got three more questions. Uh, Michael Steinberg asked, if a patient's midline is off when he occludes, but is lined up when he opens up, where do we set the bite and where do we set the morning positioner? Uh, you got a lot. There's three questions in there. So <laughs> if the patient's midline off when he bites and is centric, you make the morning repositioner there. Um, that goes to a good point. Some people, and I talked to Dr. Murphy about this with prosomnus, and I've talked to Panther, and I've talked to other places, send one scan into the lab. They send one scan and say, make me my sleep bite and make my morning repositioner. Uh, I don't believe that because they have to hand articulate the open bite to get the morning repositioner. So what do I do? My, my scanning software has the ability to send two bites, or if not, you can send two separate scans. And so we send a scan of their normal habitual bite for the morning repositioner. Then we import that back into our software, delete that bite, take our sleep bite. And if the patient has a little deviation, when they go forward, we take the, their uh, sleep bite with that deviation. Because if they're going to go so forward and have a slight a midline shift, you want to make sure you don't force them to be in their normal midline if they have maybe a one millimeter shift to the left. And you take your sleep bite there and you send the lab two different scans. So you have the morning, the centric bite or the habitual bite for the morning repositioner. And as you protrude them, wherever their deviation is, if it's not severe, that's going to be it. But make note to them, hey, I opened this patient up, we protruded them, there's a one millimeter midline shift that's normal. And one thing good about like the labs, they'll send it back to you with a picture saying, hey, doc, is this what it is? Is it off this much? One millimeter, two millimeters? And you're going to have to approve it before they make it. So they're, they're good at that. So again, that's how I do it. I send two separate scans in those situations. In fact, on all my patients, two separate scans, one for the morning repositioner and one for the, um, the actual patient bite. Chat, you're muted. Again, rookie mistake. That's all um, right. Sorry, right, but I got you. I got you. <laughs> what changes do you make when dealing with a class three patient for locating the man man mandibles position? Again, it's like everybody. You look at how much their range of motion is. So if they're class three and they, let's say they're, they have a three millimeter protrusion already in their mandible, I'd say to that patient, go forward. 
can they go forward? If they go, if, if they're class three and they can go forward another five, they have five millimeters of total protrusion. So I'm not going to start them at five. That's hundred percent of their protrusion. I might take them and we'll make them one millimeter protruded and a little bit more vertical, like maybe five or six. That's why I'll have those multiple George gauge, uh, forks or these other jigs that are available that have the numbers on them already to start them out. And again, those patients are a little, some of those class three patients, all you have to do is open them up a little bit and prevent the jaw from falling back a little bit and they're going to be fine. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Brian asked, oh, Brian said, I popped a PMF off with a liner appliance. So that was in reference to Dr. Moser's question earlier. And our friend Tony, the Magnificent, the Magnificent. is back. What time scanner do you use, Dr. C? Uh, that's a good question because uh, I don't believe all scanners are made equal. I think some of them are <laughs> better than others. I Just like I think precision appliances are better. Uh, I've tried a lot of scanners and, um, and there's a lot of good ones out there. I'm using the CareStream Wireless 3800. It's a very expensive scanner, but I'm telling you, it is fast and accurate. Uh, that's, I mean, but you, you know, that's, it's $30,000. Uh, you can get a, a, a medit scanner for less expensive, uh, Chad, I don't, do you partner with any scanner companies yet? Um, yes and no. I mean, not really. Um, we, we have a ton of coaching clients who use scanners all over the map. Okay. Um, I've personally been scanned with the Seronas as well as the emeralds from plan Mecca. Um, mm -hmm. so we, we, we have a mixture of personal experiences and also client testimonials. And so we, we don't have any corporate relationships. So if you guys, again, have questions, happy to, um, just jump on a call, talk to you about the pros and cons. Um, just one thing I think it's important to know, we actually don't get any financial remuneration. If you work with any of these companies, uh, we've foregone that because we want you guys to have an impartial source of information, um, because, the companies we part with are, are amazing and you should work with them because they're amazing. Uh, not just because we, we told you to. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could say the same thing. I didn't do a disclaimer in the, in the beginning. Um, uh, I don't get paid by any of these appliance companies. I, you know, people always say to me, well, you know, you do so much of this and you talk about this, you get special pricing. I don't, I'll show you my invoices. I get charged <laughs> the same as everybody else. Um, every company does different things. Some give discounts for volume. Uh, ProSomnus does it uh, based on volume. So, you know, if you do X amount of a of dollar amount at the end of the year, you get a, a certain discount, you know, if it's so much per of your lab bill. And that's what I get. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, that's the only thing. I didn't give me any special pricing because I use yeah. their appliance. None of the companies do that. If not, you, you really need to disclose that when you speak. I don't, I don't get paid by them. I get, yeah. I get asked to speak like you did chat. And I, you know, and this is the first time I've spoken with the awakened to sleep. It's, it's, it's been my privilege tonight. And I want to mm. thank Michael and you Chad for extending me this invitation. Uh, it's always fun to share information and have this especially open dialogue. And again, I look forward to uh, anybody who um, listens to this or who's on it live. If you got questions to shoot me an email, I'm more than happy to uh, answer it. And if I have a picture of something that I think pertains to what you're doing, uh, I'll, I'll attach it into that email for you. Awesome. And folks, we're, we're going to wrap up tonight. Thank you guys for being an amazing, engaged audience. Um, we've got tons of compliments in the chat. Thank you, folks. Uh, the recording will be up on the website within the next two to three hours. 
So check there if you want to review any of the slides. We will provide the slides upon request to anyone who asks for them. And the only discount provided on this course are for the Pivot DSM Masterclass. We really hope to see you in San Diego or Scottsdale in September or October. And um, and, and we had a nice compliment from Michael the Mag Tony Magnificent. <laughs> he, he liked the slides and michael said marvelous okay billy crystal <laughs> well thank you both for those kind comments i really appreciate it awesome guys have a wonderful night we're going to wrap up uh don't worry if you didn't click the link you'll be taken right to the survey for being a participant of the webinar thank you guys have a wonderful night thank you for joining us on this webinar if you'd like more information on dental sleep medicine education, coaching, or home sleep testing services, please feel free to reach out to us at awakentosleep.com forward slash edu or at info at awaken2sleep.com. Thank you and have a great day.